Welcome to Fast Friends Podcast, my podcast where I attempt to make friends with my guests in less time than it takes for you to be annoyed by the couple on the episode of House Hunters. My name is Logan Cummins, and I'll be your host. Today's guest, you've seen him as part of a team transforming Indianapolis one house at a time on HGTV's Good Bones, and as part of the team that went head-to-head with other designers on the first ever season of Rock the Block. He is often the bearer of bad news to Mina, which we'll get into. Please welcome Corey Miller. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm very excited. My wife might be a little more excited, uh, but I'm very excited to have you here. So, Corey, I typically start off the episodes by asking somebody just like, you know, we've we've known each other for about 30 seconds. Uh, what are three things that you think we may have in common just from meeting now? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, we both like beer, right? Oh, I used to. Too much. That's the problem. Too much? Yeah. Oh, all right. Copy. Um, <laughs> hmm. Good campfire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good campfire. Uh, camping with friends. Fishing. Boating. None of that. <laughs> all right. We need more than 30 seconds to know each other then. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That gives us that that shows where we need to go. Sweet. Well, I'm like I said, I'm pumped to have you here just to give you a quick premise uh, or overview of the premise. This is like an open house where you're walking around and eyeing a property. That's me. And then at the end, you're going to have to answer to the realtor and basically say, like, are you interested or not? Because I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you if we would be good friends or not. So that's pretty much how it'll go. We'll start with some interesting information about you and your life, play a couple games to get to know each other a little better, and then uh, wrap it up with a friend request. Does this sound like a plan? It sounds amazing. Let's jump into it. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. I think the, one of the interesting things for me in meeting people through this podcast is I feel like compared to other people that I've talked to, you're almost like a little bit of a man of mystery. So is that by design? Like, are you, do you typically like fly under the radar? Tell me what's mysterious about me first. That <laughs> sure, way I can sure. gain an understanding on where the question comes from, because that's interesting you say that. And in answer to your question immediately, to jump right in. Uh, I like to fly under the radar and keep a low profile, and I don't know what the reasoning is for that, but for some odd reason, that's just where I find myself because I find myself more effective if people aren't looking. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so from a mysterious, I guess, because I would say, first of all, let me say that we watch a lot of HGTV in my house for somebody that doesn't own a house. So I have no idea. We, we've been renting for 11 years at this point. We have no intentions of buying property at all, but we watch HGTV a lot. And so so I feel like I've seen my fair share of shows over the years. I do feel like on Good Bones at this point, you get to know like a lot of the cast members, right? And like at least the public sort of portrayed version of who they are. But I feel like, for example, we've seen Tad's house that was built for him and things like that. I know that there've been a couple of things shot off location, but I feel like your personality and more about like your story and who you are, there's not much out there. It's, it's hard to find out information about you. That's good. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure what the reasoning is for that because, I mean, I'm on social media to, I mean, in every social media outlet, two followers on Twitter. So you can see how much my interest is in that kind of platform. <laughs> but uh, honestly, um, yeah, it's been a wild ride getting here. Um, I, I just come from humble beginnings straight out of high school. I didn't really have the option to go to college. Got in a lot of trouble before I was done with high school. And I had the, like a crowd looking at me when that happened. I was like... 
it was just a bad scene. So to better myself, I hopped right in the job workforce and I cleaned carpets for five years. And cleaning carpets taught me a lot of things. One, surprisingly, it taught me sales and how to talk to people. And two, it, it taught me that I never wanted to clean carpets for the rest of my <laughs> life, yeah. right? So um, it was really a grunt job. It was physically demanding. And I mean, I was built like a, a brick house, if you know what I mean, when I worked that job. But I just didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. It was physically demanding. My body was getting torn up the whole nine. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a jump here and on the deep end and take a lower pay and start out as an entry-level project manager for my buddy's uh, father's sign company. It started out as an awning company, and then they onboarded me to go ahead and develop the sign aspect of their business. So I literally started out, you know, learning the basics in the back with the guys and then jumping to the front and starting sales. Um, and honestly, starting at the bottom from anything you're, you're going into in life is the way to roll. Like if I were to become anything that has multiple tiers within a company, I would always want to start at the bottom because those people really might be the driving force of the business. You just really never know. Absolutely. And in yeah. this particular instance with the signage industry, the guys in the back were the ones making this, the signs and the awnings. So why wouldn't you want to bend an ear to their troubles? So anyways, fast forward through that two years, that company was supposed to merge with another sign company. So I was like, all right, original boss, hey, I want to jump over to New Boss's company to, so that we can integrate the two together and, and we understand each other when this happens, our new relationship with the new merger. And they never ended up merging. So anyways, I stayed on board with this large sign manufacturing company. Like literally I was involved not only from the bidding and the sales aspect, but then I would work with the AutoCAD people to design the signage and all the way to shipping is what I oversaw. So it was a really cool process to be involved with like all of these outlets, malls, and like all of these new REIs that were coming out, uh, not to name drop their company, but <laughs> be a part of that movement because it was a boom. Before really online retail became what it is, at that moment, people still enjoyed going to malls and stuff and, and physically shopping, which some people still enjoy that, but. I love a good mall, honestly. Yeah, I like actually physically touching the product Yeah, more often than not. So I'm a, I'm a brick and mortar store guy all the way, even though I'm, I'm terrible with Amazon at night. <laughs> um, but anyways, I was tired of sitting behind a desk, to be honest with you, Logan. Like I was responding to like 150 emails a day. I was hands-on with my job, but it was more, started to become more of a, of a, of a computer thing. And I was like, no, that's, that's not my mode. I'm happy, but I could be happier. So I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward to two chicks and a hammer, good bones yeah. at this point. If that's yeah. cool, because that's how quickly the story changes. Mina and I had been friends since high school. She went to Burbuff and I went to Chittard and we just through the Catholic, you know, high school organization, we, we all had mutual friends. So Mina would come hang out with our crew. Uh, my mom at the time, after uh, being divorced, my father moved from behind to behind Chittard High School. And all of the kids would just come over after school. And it was the cool hangout spot. Like everyone would hang out, you know, catch up, whatever. So anyways, we, we were friends, but she was more my brother's friend than anything because she was his age and she was part of their group. But then you fast forward past high school and, uh, you know, she goes to IU and I, I'm cleaning cars carpets out there and whatnot. My brother went to IU, so her and, and my brother still remain friends. But then um, after college, they all moved back from IU and she's dating one of my roommates. And like, so we're still in contact throughout all these years. 
uh, pretty much. And then I was just tired of my job one day. I, I was still responding to emails and I was just on my phone flicking through Facebook or whatever at the time. And I saw basically a post from two chicks stating, hey, we're looking for a social media manager. And I said, well, I'm not a social media manager, but if you're looking for a project manager for the construction side, I'm interested. And Alexa, the COO at the time, uh, was like, well, we're actually doing project manager interviews uh, right now. Are you interested in interviewing? I said, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I go to the interview and uh, Lenny, our contractor at the time, uh, season one, two, and three, uh, was in on the interview and I interviewed against 35 other candidates, so I'm told. And honestly, for Indianapolis and Indiana in general, it's, it's large, but it's also very small. Everyone knows someone who knows someone whether it's a mother, brother, sister, whatever, like reputation's so important around here. So I was like, at the end of the interview, of course I name dropped. Like, why wouldn't I? I was like, <laughs> right. hey, because Mina wasn't in on the interview. I was like, hey, tell Mina Corey Miller says hi. And they all kind of looked at me sideways, like, uncertain as to what I just said because they probably weren't expecting that. I never told them at any part of the interview, nor did I use as leverage stating I knew Mina until the end. Till I was like done. That interview was great also, by the way, and it worked, right? Yeah. So uh, I got the job. Mina's like, I'm like Mina's little brother, essentially. And um, it's just funny how how natural working with her was. Yes, of course, I was scared because she was the boss, right? Yeah. Or she is the boss. <laughs> and uh, in the beginning, it, that's like any employee boss relationship is in the beginning, right? You're, you're like, oh my God, there's mom or whatever. Don't tell mom. Like those kind of mentalities kick in because that's just the way it feels. But then she like, Puts me on camera. This was season, came in midway through season two. That's why you won't see me in any of the initial season one, some of season two, heavy in season three, obviously, and so on. But she puts me on camera. She's like, yeah, you got to be on camera. And I'm like, honestly, I, I did not come into this for the fame or fortune whatsoever. I just wanted to do something different. And um, yeah, we rolled with it. I'm, I was super awkward on camera. I said a lot of yeps and gotchas and, <laughs> and whatever. And you'll know the episode when you see it after I say that because that's how it was. I didn't know what to do. And I, again, it was still, I was still slightly nervous being around her as, as her as her employee. Right. But then you get, you just like, you do it so often, it just becomes natural, right? Which is what a lot of the viewers are seeing is is our natural behavior is, is just rolled out on camera and it's a great, it makes for great TV because it's natural. So I've been doing this for for five years now and I, I have no regrets about it. It's been amazing. She's an amazing boss. She um, seems like a really genuine person. I mean, obviously I don't, I don't know her. I do know, I grew up in Indiana also, um, but out just outside of Cincinnati across the state line. Okay, so, where yeah, at? you guys, don't, you know where Iron Timbers is? That's like very I close just, to my I, hometown. I just came from Osgood, Indiana today. <laughs> okay. okay, so yeah, I, grew I was up, just at Iron Timbers. Right on. Yeah, I grew up like twenty minutes from there in this tiny town called Morse Hill, Indiana. It's okay, like six hundred people. But so yeah, she seems very genuine, and I think like one of the things that I think that works because most of the people on the show are, and I haven't figured this out yet exactly how, but they're like somewhat related, like halves or steps or like most of the people in the main crew. Austin and I are the only part that aren't family, but yeah, you're Bobcat. essentially 
like you're Friends. like family at this point. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It became that way. I did not know Tad or Austin prior to onboarding with two chicks. Austin and, and Tad at the time were still working for Caliber Construction, Lenny's company at the time, doing demo. So that's how they onboarded with two chicks is because they came from the inner workings of the show just from a different company. And so once that all happened, Tad like was done with demo. Obviously, he didn't want to do it for a living either. And so he took a leap there as well. And Austin, he... He was in a lab, did like lab work and stuff. So just wild. So I'm going to rewind just a little bit. Let's go back to like childhood. Did you live in Indiana, like around Indianapolis your whole life? Yeah, I did fast forward on you a little bit there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I was born and raised in Broderpool, actually, right down the street from Broderpool High School. In 95, my parents split. My father moved out to Fortville, Indiana, which at that time was country. And I can now say I'm old enough to say I remember when it was just cornfields. And then my father, my mother stayed in Broderpool. Uh, and just moved down the street. So we were by Broderpool High School, and if you know this area, and then she moved right down the street to behind Chittard High School. So they're literally like, one's 10 blocks south from the other. It's very close. So yeah, we didn't move far, even though when I was at my father's, yes, I didn't get to see my friends as often, but I still got to hang out with my buddies and stuff after school and, and did all that. So I think coming from a divided family, some people are like, oh my God, their parents are getting divorced. What about the kids? And my answer to that is, is I feel like I'm actually more fortunate. I know this sounds crazy to say. I feel like I'm more fortunate coming from a divided family. And the reason for that is, is because going out to my father's and restoring a a farmhouse that had half-sawn tree trunks as floor joists is where I really got my interest for construction. As much as I hated it at the time that my father would make me suffer through and and I would help him put each individual cedar shake on a, on a farmhouse with a one and a half inch stagger around the whole house, two stories. It builds character. And you know, some people say it'll build character in a jokingly manner, but really just laborious tasks like that not only make you think, but they also make you wonder if you're enjoying what you're doing at the time too, because you're outside. And my answer to that was, yes, I love this. And I also complained to my mom. I'm like, mom, I don't want to go out to my dad's, but that's because I was hanging out with my friends. And my father told me an interesting uh, statement one time, and I was like, man, I was really pissed off about it, but it really rings true. He goes, some of these friends you have that you run around with may not be your friends later in life. And I ne- I didn't understand that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's powerful, Dad. I was like, you know, screw you for saying that. Yes, they will be. And he's right. I literally, the sad as it may seem, I am in contact with one out of my seven major friends uh, at this point. And it's just like, it's crazy to see that come about because... A lot of people are like, I still have all my old high school friends. Well, I I do. Like, yes, I'm still good friends with them on Facebook, but do we see each other as often? No, like one's in Michigan, one's in Illinois. Like, I don't see them as often. So they're not as much of an impact as they were then. And really, my dad was just telling me like, hey, you should really focus on what's more important to you than just your friends. And that is like the best piece of advice he gave to me because really, it's not that I left my friends. But really, I started to focus on what drove me as uh, to not to like to be happy, I guess is the best way to put it. as weird as that sounds. My friends brought me happiness, but I needed to also bring myself happiness by doing something I loved and not just love hanging out with them, right, which right. is so true. Well, I mean, I think as a kid, it's really hard. Like nobody wants to hear that, right? Like because yeah. your micro view is like, that's all you know. Yeah. But you're right. Like you develop your own person and your own family and your own life. And 
And it doesn't mean that people aren't important to you, but it definitely, the role that they play diminishes. So, so how old were you at that time? Like when, when he's like handing out that harsh lesson? Oh God. I, I mean, I was, it was 95. I was eight, nine years old when he was telling me this stuff. And it was the best advice I could have ever been given because you know, your, your parents are really telling you from experience and you don't really realize that until it may be too late for some people to not take heed to that advice. And I learned a lot from my mother, but obviously there's that father-son bond uh, that takes hold. And I learned a ton from my father. My dad was in the fire protection industry, but he also liked to tinker out in the garage. And whenever he tinkered out in the garage, I would be out there listening to Q95 tinkering with them. Just not showering for a couple days, whatever, just grinding, cutting grass. We had an old 47 Alice Chalmers that I used to drive and cut the grass when I was 10, 11. And then when he mo first moved out there, we bought a, a 19... 47 GMC pickup truck. It was an old tow truck and it sat in his garage for the longest. And, you know, we were taking, you know, nuts and bolts off for a couple of years. And then finally he's like, I'm going to get after this. And we stripped it all down to the frame and it's just gorgeous. It's just such a work of art. And that's another thing lear I learned is all of like the fabrication that went into that truck. I used and took with me later in life. Whether I'm building something, working on something for someone else, just that handy little niche that people don't really get unless you're hands-on with something. Stuff they don't even teach you in a classroom. Not even a technical school could teach you all of the things I learned working on this truck. I just love using my hands and I could not imagine doing anything else at this point. It's just the craziest thing. It really is. Do you also have that truck now? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Do I have time to pull it up on... on uh, on Facebook, or do you want to send you a screenshot of it later? Sure. Yeah, whichever one. You can do either or. Yeah, I, I kind of want the... I don't know if I'm going to get a wow factor from you on, on this particular instance, because it's over a, a webcam, but... I can, he, he loves, we love this truck. It's going to stay in the family for years. It's got a uh, LS1 Camaro engine in it uh, with a six speed. So it just hauls too. It, it's just the craziest thing. Of course, he's got pictures. There it is. Oh, that's very cool. It's uh, all chromed out. The bed is an oak bed. I mean, it's just mint. We probably put more in it than it's worth, but what labor of love doesn't have that motif to it, right? Well, yeah. And now you have the emotional worth, right? Which you can't put a price on. Yeah. So it was the two of you that resorted together. Do you have any siblings or are you an only child? Yeah, no. So I have two older siblings. I'm the youngest of three. And we're all very different in a sense. My sister is more of like, how do I put this? She's like artsy. And so is my brother. My brother is like artsy from like a computer perspective. And my sister is like artsy from a scrapbook painting, like really good at scrapbooking. Just the stuff I would see her make when I lived with her up in Carmel. Her scrapbook stuff would be all over the apartment. Like she was just like, it, when I say scrapbooking, I'm not talking just like a cup, like she would layer up things. It was just gorgeous. Anyways, my brother's like computer. He wasn't really into that. Like, yes, he would be in the garage and what I'd like to say, suffer through the motions, but <laughs> it just wasn't his thing. And my dad knew that. Right. So, um, I was dad's boy, you know, I was just sitting on his lap while we're mowing grass together. You know, it's just one of those bonds. And yes, my brother had that, but not as much. I guess I would probably skew more like your brother. Yeah. Because my dad would try to teach me things. I'm the oldest. And my dad would try to teach me things. And I'd like had either just like zero interest or quite honestly. And I think like the more you learn about brains and like creativity versus like engineering and the way you approach things. Yeah. I just honestly think that I didn't have much of that mentality. Like I do, it's very hard for me to like take something and break it down from a technical perspective. I'm much more into like writing 
creating stuff, you know? And so I think my dad would get like frustrated, right? But thank God with my youngest brother, he finally got like somebody that <laughs> that cared because I like, I would just go and be like, I was like your brother. I'd be like, can we just get this over with? Like, yeah. I'm never going to change go, my own oil. Let's go play some like Nintendo 64 or something. Is that what you yeah. were like? You wanted to go do the video games or what was your mode? I'm older than you. So like by the time video games got to... <laughs> You can't be that much older. You you don't have any gray hair, and I've already at least got one. <laughs> I just hide it well. Sure. That's the spirit. <laughs> but, like, video games are another thing where, like, I, I loved playing, like, old school regular Nintendo. But then, like, when it got to... I'm trying to think like PlayStation. It was too many buttons for me. Like I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I'm like one of those people too that I get really frustrated easily when I don't understand something. So like if I were playing my youngest brother in PlayStation and he's like destroying me because he's just like pushing every button, I would play like one game and then just be like, yeah, I'm never playing PlayStation again. I don't know why, but I don't really know what I did. If I'm being honest, I read a lot as a kid um, and did like art stuff. Now, I was never good at art though either, but I liked doing it. That's the thing. You just got to do whatever it takes your fancy yeah i mean it was fun like we grew up you know in a country ish so we played outside a lot and like rode bikes and like played with neighbor kids and honestly a lot of my cousins i grew up with a lot of my cousins being really close to them but i was also like a weird place in family where like my mom had kids later than most of her siblings so I was like on the downward end of like the older kids. And so most of my cousins that were around were actually girls. So I would do things like with them too, right? Like they would love to play school and make me like their little student. <laughs> I, I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? So I never really liked sports. I wasn't good at them. So I was going to ask you like about that. Like as a kid, were you like, were you into typical like sports? Did you want to play basketball and stuff? Like that? I know in Indiana, everybody loves basketball. Yeah, that's crazy you asked that because um, I, I was going to, I meant, I'm, ju I'm ADD by the way. So nice to meet you. <laughs> so I jump around. I'm, that's why, that's why I'm great as a project manager because I can jump to the next topic and not even think twice about the last thing I did until I need to address it. Anyways. Yes. My sister used to, I used to play with my brother and my sister too. We weren't, we didn't live close to cousins, but we would, you know, go up North to Valpo to visit them. But she would she would try to dress me up in tutus and stuff. I would never admit that. But since we're becoming friends, I'll go ahead and tell you that. Uh, but yeah, she kind of forced me to play house. But yeah, when we weren't inside playing video games, we were out on our bikes all the time. Especially growing up in Broderpool, there were always places to safely ride your bike as a kid. Because Broderpool is like one large subdivision with a lot of little smaller grid streets. And it's perfect for raising children and growing up. Because we could stay on our bikes till the street lights were on and even after. That's just how safe things were back then. And they brought up still safe, but not like in that form. So uh, anyways, yeah, uh, playing sports, I was kind of forced to play them. Mainly basketball and baseball in high school. But it was good for me, right? It was another one of those things. It's like your parents do this so that it's to not only to build character but to also the team you know all the other things that come along with playing sports as a kid i you can go on for days about that but i really love baseball i really love baseball and i love watching baseball the indians games it's just fun to watch so golf i played golf uh, with my friends uh high school i didn't play in the high school league but we would golf on the weekends i would last for about seven holes and then i was literally on the cart the rest of the time waiting for the waiting for this day to be over and um i just sports don't don't get me i don't all of my friends like that 
they 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 know like a lot of professional names and like this and that. I couldn't tell you one player that's on the Colts right now. You know, it's just like I know Luke Rhodes. I know I know Luke Rhodes because he bought a house off of us, right? So like, <laughs> and he's friends with Mina. That's how I know Luke Rhodes. And then Pacers, the holidays because we're doing a house for him. Like I don't know anyone else in these sports uh, arenas, and I'm okay with that because. It's just not something I'm into. I don't follow it. Uh, I see no benefit for me. I know some people really enjoy sports, and that's awesome. People get things out of sports, uh, whether it's camaraderie with their friends, whatever. That's not me. I love listening to the race. I know the race is going to be broadcast on TV this year. I love going to the race. I like being a spectator in the event more than I like watching it on TV, if that makes sense. When you say the race, do you mean NASCAR or like multiple no, types? No, uh, sorry, IndyCar. Okay, okay. I right mean to, I, I mean to say it like that. No, 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 it's fine. I don't know why I said it like that, but uh, no, IndyCar <laughs> specifically, Grand Prix. Yeah, some people are into like Formula One and stuff, so I just wanted, yeah. to, wanted to ask. Yeah, NASCAR is not my style. Have you been to a NASCAR event ever? I went to an IROC race uh, way back in the day with my stepfather. He was a gold badge, my ex-stepfather. He was a gold badge out at uh, the track here, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I went to an IROC, and then later in life, uh, I attended a lot of IndyCar. But yeah, NASCAR just was, I don't know why, but those Indy cars have a sound about them. They'll just send a chill up your spine. Yeah. So I've never been to the Indy 500, but I have been to NASCAR races and those are fascinating. I consider myself, and I don't mean this like in a disparaging way. I consider myself like a little bit refined white trash. So like I love things like professional wrestling. And I loved everything about NASCAR, like yeah. the event, but I don't really watch it on TV. But like going live and seeing people like yeah. camp out with their like favorite drivers and they're like, you know, talking smack to all the other people. Yeah. And it was fun to watch live. Like I wouldn't go all the time, but it was fun enough. Truth. Yeah. I mean, I love racing because of the sound of it. And I love anything with a motor. Yeah. Put a motor on it and it has a throttle, no brake pedal, no problem. That's pretty much sounds like my, my philosophy in life anyways. You're coming across a little like tim the Toolman taylor is that accurate bob vila i used to watch a uh, public broadcasting growing up because cable definitely wasn't a thing and bob vila he was on this old house oh yep i remember that before um i think that was the name of his show before uh what's his face took over but anyways when you see someone that is so thorough in their trade and you have you have a passion for that trade too you definitely love to bend an ear on what they're doing and their techniques because you can somehow potentially apply it in your life too and that just stays true for humans in general right uh there's always someone knows something that you don't uh and there's always a takeaway from knowing someone so I, i i just i always have my eyes wide open wanting to meet people too because i just not that i'm here to suck your energy but i want to know what you're about and i want to learn from you too like what if you know what if you know how to pop a a lid off something better than i do like how do you do it is it some cool trick like what what's about what is it you know i get a drive off that people interest me yeah i think so too yeah i'm like the last person to judge regardless because like i just i know everyone has a purpose here and that's the craziest thing uh you don't know you may not know what it is you may not know what that person's purpose was until you die uh Uh, But someone is here for something, whether they have evil in them or not, there's something that they were here for. So that's just a wild thought, you know? No, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Because I do, I feel like everybody is like the best at something or like knows the best, knows the most about something. Sure. Um, And I, the other thing I love is like just hearing people's stories because everybody has a story. So it's like fascinating to hear. Because I I do, I feel like people come into like, I was thinking about this the other day and you talk about like friends and friendships, right? Like in the amount of years that I've been... (laughs) 
alive, like the number of people that I've met and still stay in touch with, like for different reasons, come back into life. And like, it's fascinating how all that works. And there has to be some sort of like larger reason for that. I don't know what it is. But. Yeah, I've been trying to better myself on doing friend check-ins, the ones that I was close with, because if you can Google something and, and something pulls up that you weren't expecting, you probably need to be like more in the know as to like how that person's doing or what their struggle is that led them to that to that point, right? It's always important, regardless of how busy you are, to to make rounders with the, with your family, especially in these times. I'm not used to that because I'm more in touch with being in, in, physically with my family. So I've been terrible about that through COVID and I'm, I just feel awful and I have guilt about it, but I really need to make the rounds to my cousins and be like, hey, I'm that asshole that didn't check in and I don't know why I'm checking in now, but like I feel the need to just like go ahead and start that. But we have a wedding coming up, so I'm gonna see everyone then. But it's just like, you really just, this is a short life we have here and treating people like shit is not going to make you feel better it's just important to to just treat people with respect and with your particular podcast there's all sorts of stuff you're gonna you're gonna end up finding out about people when you meet them you you're never gonna get any of what you're hearing in an article all of these people are gaining their knowledge about me through uh, assumptions on instagram photos they're like him and his girlfriend shelby she's my ex but him and his girlfriend shelby that's a huge assumption to assume that's my girlfriend just because we're in every photo together like what if i had three girlfriends and that's just one of, or what if that's my one of my wives like they no one no one knows that true story and even that's not the case but you know what i mean like they're just assumed that that's what it is because that's what's in front of them or what is it believe half of what you see and nothing of what you hear yeah and it's I, so true the instagram thing is amazing so like the instagram let's say social media in general because i do feel like and i'm guilty of this 100 percent like you portray only the good and you like skew it right like good to make it look like oh look at the, you know it's like i can have like the worst day in the world and then like stop to get like something to eat because my car broke i'm making all this up right but like my car broke down and whatever else but like then i post this picture like that looks so glamorous and like leave out the details of how the rest of the day was just like purely abysmal and everybody's like it's like a competition i feel like it's terrible and um i've kind of stepped away like i'll still post uh like stories but it's tough for me to come up with a post because i'm at a loss for what really what I want people to think about me or see because it's a tough crowd out there. It's a very tough crowd. And I, I don't care if someone has an opinion about me. That's totally fine. Like you can take that and you can just do whatever you want with it because it doesn't affect me. I know who I am. Right. And it's tough for people to say that sometimes because if they don't have the confidence to, to go past those comments, it'll eat you up. Like someone said, it looked like I've gained weight recently. And at first I was like, you know what, man, you can go fuck yourself. And I went ahead and blocked him. And, and he probably was like, I don't understand what I did to deserve that. But I don't need those people in my life. Yeah. You know, I don't care if I've gained. I'm comfortable. I'm healthy. I don't, I'm not about to collapse or I'm going to have early onset diabetes. Like, I'm just like, I don't understand why he felt the need like he knows me. He doesn't know me. And, and that, like I said, that just stays true. Like you should never judge someone just because what if I had a thyroid problem? What if I did have like a health problem where I was going septic and I was about to die? How bad would you feel if you said that you, that he looked overweight? You but never want to. the problem wanna, is, would they feel bad? I don't know. No, probably not. <laughs> That's they the worst just, part. Yeah. Because I feel like, yeah. and especially you probably, it's sadly, it's one of those things I think anyway. I wouldn't know firsthand, but like when you start to develop like an audience or a following, right? So like you compare 
most of the people that follow me know me personally or like pretty close. They know somebody that knows me or whatever the case may be. Like you probably have a large enough following that people don't know you firsthand. And then you get to like Mina's level where people, it's like a lot of people, right? Yeah. And I feel like they feel like you owe them something because you're like in the public eye. And it's like, it's almost like this exchange or like, it's weird yeah. to me, right? I don't owe anyone anything. Right. And it's crazy you say that because I'm going to be very honest with you, Logan. And there's no need for me to not say this. I have a huge gay following, right? And this one guy said, you owe me a picture, mister. I don't owe you a picture of anything. And I don't know what picture you're referring to, but you're right. Like, that's a very obvious direct instance of what you're speaking on but like you're right it is like i don't owe you entertainment i owe the network entertainment that's a different story they're my employer not a viewer and when you're in this spotlight people do think that they have the freedom to judge you and this is why celebrities get depressed because of people like that and if you don't have thick skin this is not for you because everyone has an opinion whether it's good or bad and the majority of the people if you get if you get known well known enough and famous people start to hate you you they don't know why they hate you they may hate you because they're envious that they're not in your position but that's not my fault i didn't do anything different i was just aggressive you know it's wild this world's wild and there was something i saw on instagram the other day this group of bikers came by this african-american child's lemonade stand and they all stopped and they basically probably bought out all of her lemonade but there's that thing that right there is like bikers are looked at as bad and they're buying lemonade because she's a little girl with a purpose and that's the stuff that you don't see on the news anymore and there's reasons for that right they i don't know what those reasons are i'm not going to speak on behalf because i'm not i'm not into politics either just so you know me but it's just sad because like i said everyone has a purpose here those bikers have a purpose and so does that little child selling lemonade you know yeah. this world's wild well i think it's it's, it goes back to like, and I've struggled with this over the last couple of years, specifically around politics. At the end of the day, like we're, we have so much more in common with each other, like as just humans, right? Like that coexist then. And, and I think, and I, like I said, when I say I've been guilty, like I a hundred percent have gotten guilty of like letting the divisiveness, like drive people even out of my life. And it's, it's something I definitely struggle with. Like I, you know, and you talked about, um, like getting depression, like, you know, it's like, that's something I talk about with my therapist all the time is like, how to better control that and like not and and find the ways to like focus on the things that brought us together before that divisiveness, you know, but it's, it's hard. Like I've for sure I've, um, and I need to like mend some of that. So, uh, I hear you. It's, it's like, I think it's, it's so easy to get caught up in. It's the hype. Yeah. I need to take a social media cleanse at some point because I've been finding myself more in my phone while the TV's on. Like, what am I, why is the TV on? You know, like, why am I face deep in my phone? And honestly, uh, one thing I've started to do, I started to subside drinking beer in the evenings. And I know that's going to be hard for the hot summer, but it's so easy for me to do nothing but grab a cold beer and sit down on the couch and watch Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy, right? And I found myself having more time because I'm not doing that. And then I'm like, then I get, because my ADD kicks in, I'm like, well, I need to be doing something. And so then I start going, and then I start tinkering. And I'm like, this is what I should be doing. Instead of wasting away getting wasted or, or catching a buzz in the evening because I, because I want to, or because I maybe felt it necessary to, or I was like, use stress as an excuse. I have just, 
I feel so much better. I don't wake up feeling like shit, you know? It's just like, there are other things to do in life than focus on what other people are doing and drink your life away. And if you if you take both of those out, you'll find yourself with fi- trying to find something to do because you've lost that touch. We are, like, we are, as humans, are so weird uh, <laughs> and so complex because of outside influences affecting us. And like I said, I've stepped away from posting a whole lot because I don't want people to be like, you look like you're getting fat or something like that. You know, like that last guy's comment, it, I just wanted to come across the phone and strangle it. But then I'm like, I thought about it for so long and I was like, I'm not going to let this affect me. I know who I am. Right. And just like, you just need to step away from the, what I consider the norm these days, because it's not normal. It's not normal for me to be on my phone all the time. It's just, I, I didn't have a phone till I was a junior in high school. These sixth graders are getting phones now. And I had to buy my own phone plan. This is why this day, these these days, I would I don't want a child in this world right now. That's it's just like I my brother just had a child recently and he wants to have another one. I'm like I'm not here to judge you. You're gonna do you right. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying I don't understand how people bring a child into this world. Again, not me forcing my influence on him, but just saying, you know, just having that brotherly conversation, just stating like, how are you gonna do it? You know? Yeah. Well, I'm like I'm really thankful. Again, I you know I, I'm. A little older than you, but like we didn't have social media when I was in high school and and most of college, like honestly, and thank God for that, uh, because like all the things, like all the dumb things that we did or like, I, you know, I don't need that to be like broadcast. So that's like, that's where I think it becomes hard um, to find the right balance because I've tried to do the same thing and like step away from the Instagram, the Twitter, right, whatever. I always end up reactivating it. And I don't know, like, I don't know why, like it doesn't, and to, to your point, it's, it's like a time suck kind of. Yeah. I think the reason why I've been so vigilant on, on social media, uh, I had a falling out with an ex of mine and it was, it was scary. She would make a bunch of fake profiles on social media and she would actually post pictures of me naked. And I had to like constantly be on the, on the lookout for that because I didn't want it to be out there for any longer than it had to, because that's just like, now there's a, now there's a thing called revenge porn where you can actually sue for this. So, of course, that didn't exist when this was all coming about, but I'm not exaggerating when I said she's, she made up to 50 fake profiles. Wow. I almost lost my job from it. She actually sent an email to Mina and Karen stating, Corey is such a bad guy, I cannot believe he's working for females. They didn't take it seriously, but they're like, dude, what's going on with this? I'm like, I'm going to tell you, she's crazy, and I know you're, you think that's the most textbook answer that I could tell you. Watch this play out and see how bad it gets, and you're going to see how crazy she is. It was scary, and it was embarrassing, and it was just like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this because, like, it was wild. And I was scarred from that. But now I'm like, when that guy called me fat, now I'm Googling Corey Miller weight gain. And I'm like looking for that. And I don't know why. Because in my mind, I've already let that go. But I really haven't because it's affected me. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but like social media is terrible. It is such, it like zaps your brain. Like the only thing that's cool on social media for me is when I go down through the rabbit hole of watching Mechanic Steve, I think his name is. He fixes these cars and he does this amazing body work and it's all time lapse and you see it just uncrinkle before your eyes. I think that's cool. Do other people think that's cool? Probably not. But like, that's like the only reason I really stay on social media is to go down that rabbit hole of watching people fix wrecked cars, I guess. I don't know weird right so maybe this is why you're you come off more like a man of mystery is because you've 
made it now at this point, like it's less important for your life. So there's just less out there for people to know, which like you said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what's cool is people like you, you want to know more? I'll tell you. I have, I have nothing to hide. Uh, I just, I just, no one's really like interviewed me before. In fact, you're the first formal podcast interview I've ever done. Well, here, here. So I was a project manager, not in construction, in marketing, advertising agencies. And so I think like you, like I, I have a little ADD and it can help you focus on like what you need to accomplish right then and move on to the next sort of like playing Tetris. So I think like I've always been fascinated by like what your role is like, because I also feel like, and this isn't about like patting myself on the back for my old jobs, but like you kind of are like the unsung hero or like the glue that kind of holds everything together. And I'm wondering, like, is that what your day-to-day is like? That's wild you say that. And I think that this conversation, we could go, we're about to go on for days, aren't we? Because I can keep going and tail off of everything that we've talked about already. And even though I deliver bad news, I'm not really the one that caused the problem. And there was this one thing, I don't remember if it was like a foundation check-in or it was a wet a lead water line check-in i didn't put the lead water line there i didn't make the foundation crumble prior to buying the house and a lot of people can step out of it for a second and like this is construction there are going to be unknown problems buried problems like people don't see that though like i i am here to deliver bad news because it makes great tv and because it's the truth of what we deal with i didn't cause that problem physically to happen it's just uh a viewer viewership they're tough critics everyone everyone's a critic you just have to deal with it in your own way but yeah so in the beginning when i first started with two chicks to go down that road it was me and a project coordinator the project coordinator was in charge of purchasing and permitting and variances i was in charge of dealing with construction telling the coordinator when we needed things tile flooring the things that we were supplying to the house which would be pretty much anything with an aesthetic value the gc would would basically do what's called white box the house out with drywall and trim and then it was up to us to put the finishing items flooring tile vanities faucets shower like anything with an aesthetic value that you can see in a home cabinets countertops we would put in the home and i would have to orchestrate all that times 13 because we would do 13 houses a season and uh it was a hustle man it was so cool like but again like i'm add and 13 somewhat sometimes became nothing to other people it looked like it was kind of a chaotic situation which it's construction it's going to be chaotic times 13 (laughs) Right? Because everything we did was times 13 because it's 13, one house per episode, 13 episodes. So I did that with Mandy uh, for when did Tad finally? It, it, this all happened very quickly and my, it's foggy because it's been a long time. But like at some point, Mandy quit. I stayed on and still, I basically did the whole thing by myself with the help of, of Mina and uh, Alexa because Mina then took over purchasing because she knew the spec sheet and then she would order it. And she would, we, I would just work with her on when we needed it. And then you fast forward to, when did Tad start helping me in Austin? God, was it season four? Season four or five, I think, is when Tad in Austin actually started working for Two Chicks. And um, 
Then and then Austin became coordinator, which was purchasing and, and, and permits. And then Tad was uh, was learning from me at the time. And then they split Tad and I. And Tad took six or seven houses, and then I took the other six or seven. Well, then they had to go through two avenues, and then Tad and I merged back. And then it's just been wild. So um, yeah, it's thirteen houses every pretty much every eight to twelve months, depending on what the build's like, how in, how intense the build is. You know, is it a, a takeover that someone had started a new build? build that were taking like it didn't matter what it was a, a house being either constructed or rehab is a house being constructed or rehabbed times 13 <laughs> so um it's just a lot of volume and for me like being in the sign industry and handling the sales aspect and then the production and then coordinating the quality control to shipping and then and then even after the the, the customer receiving the product gaining an understanding as to mounting provisions or installation. 13 houses was nothing for me. Because, I mean, these, I was shipping, I mean, when Cricket Wireless rolled out their, their program with their cell phones, I think we made a batch of 200 Cricket signs. And then I had to orchestrate the installation for all the local sign companies to come pick up their packages to go install their Cricket Wireless signs. It was just wild. So then I come in at 13, I'm like, once I got the hang of it, I was like, this is kind of nothing. But it's still a challenge every day. And the reason this challenge is that every house is totally different. Everything is different. I, and I go into it with that mindset. But the worst, the worst thing that anyone in, in this industry can say is, well, we've always done it that way. Because no, you haven't always done it that way. There was maybe a variation or two that were off that you're not considering. And every business should have that model. No, it's not always done this way. That you're fired. That would be my company motto. Uh, because someone else said that the other day, and I was like, is it, what, is it always this way? Well, what about this house? How about this house's floor plan, even though we chopped off the back? Is it the same now? And the answer to that is no. They're like, oh, well, this house was, this cost about 70000 to side this house, whereas it's about the same. No, it's not. Don't say that. So I just go into it with an open mindset and acting as though everything's completely different than what I learned yesterday. Thanks for listening to Fast Friends. Stay tuned for a quick message from our sponsor. Don't you love getting a piece of mail? I'm not talking about junk mail or the electric bill. I mean actual mail, personally addressed to you. It's because when you get it, you know that someone took the time out of their life to think of you, write a handwritten personal message, and then mail it out. Now, imagine delivering that feeling to someone else. Well, you can with greeting cards from Colette Paper Ink. Colette features eco-friendly, hand-designed cards with witty sayings in fun, vibrant colors for every occasion. I've been sending Colette cards to friends and family for years for everything from graduation to weddings, to birthdays, and just because. It's also the perfect place to pick up something like a notepad, a sticker, or a keychain as a gift, or to keep for yourself. And through an exclusive offer, Fast Friends listeners can save 20% off their first order of $20 or more by using the promo code FASTFRIENDS20 at ColettePapery.com. That's FASTFRIENDS20 at ColettePapery.com. Send your friends irresistible snail mail from Colette Papery. So... <laughs> and I know you mentioned like because of the viewers and, and sort of building to that moment, how scary is it to deliver bad news to Mina? Because even Karen seems scared of her, quite honestly. She'll be like, no, you tell her. Like, that's one thing I've noticed a lot. She'll be like, no, 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 you tell her that we're going to go over budget or that the counters didn't fit or whatever yeah. the case may be. So it's hard to keep a secret from Mina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's super hard. She tries to know everything about what's going on, which is great. She should. But two, she doesn't like surprises. So if you're going to tell her something that's new to her, 
it's a tough conversation to have. And sometimes, like, of course, we have that relationship. She's like, Corey, whatever, you're, you're full of shit. Go back to the contractor and tell him it's, it's 2000 less than that number or something like that. And as far as Karen's concerned, yeah, Karen's scared of her. But I think Karen <laughs> likes to see me in the hot seat. Sure. Because Karen's already been there for long enough. You know, she, she's a veteran in that game. And so um, I think Karen likes to kind of see how what my response is to Mina's uh, response, you know, to my bad news. And um, again, when I started to deliver bad news for the show, I wasn't about it. I was having kind of having a hard time with it because I felt like it was my fault. And really, like some of the character role that I'd play on TV, felt it was real to me because I was like, Mina, this isn't my fault. Like, I don't like these conversations that these construction owners have with their PMs. It's not their fault that they're over budget. Talk to your estimator. Talk to the guy who set the budget in the beginning and then come back to me and tell me it's my fault. I'm not the one that estimated in this and didn't pull up that piece of siding and saw that there was no foundation, you know? Right. And then so like the as like the PM. Sorry. I'm yeah, go ahead. No, you're fine. As a as a PM, though, I feel like you take it because it's like you look at it and take your responsibility very seriously. So yes, it's not only your job to like get to present the risk and ways to mitigate it, but to yeah. devise a plan forward and still deliver with as least amount of interruption. So I think, I think it's only natural as a project manager that you start to like, feel like, okay, well I didn't like create this, but I'm still responsible for it. Yeah. And I did take it personally because that project is my baby. Yeah. And yeah, shame on me for missing it this late in the game. But be as it may again, I didn't crumble the foundation. But I've got another part to this delivering bad news story. So as far as like being the bearer of bad news, I grew up working on large equipment, but sometimes not as large as what we have. And there are instances that were my fault, right? So someone had left a bunch of dirt inside a garage where we needed to pour concrete, just a big mound in the middle of the garage. I'm like, this is wild. There's gonna be like thousands of dollars to remove this dirt and have some, uh, perf- you know, someone get it out. So my buddy works at McAllister's Rental. I get a skid steer with a bucket and I'm going in and out of this garage with buckets of dirt, just lifting it up. But I had to raise my arms down before I got out of the garage so that I could clear it. Well, I let my guard down and my ADD kicked in and I wasn't paying attention. My arm was up on this skid steer. Brand new construction. It was our duplex off E Street. I came out of that garage and the header above the garage door opening, I knocked it completely out of the of the house. And uh, the it was all brand new siding, all oh, fiber man. cement siding. And I called Mina and I got her on. I, I was freaked out. I thought I was going to lose my job. I seriously had great intentions, though. And she goes, Corey, you're joking. And I was like, no, Mina, <laughs> I am dead serious. I need you to get our contractor over here because this house could come crumbling down. At any, like if a structural header comes out over yeah. a garage opening and there's two stories above it, it is not good. And I started freaking out. But anyways, that's the time where I really had to admit my wrongdoing. Another time is, is when we had an excavator and I was trying to get a good, good intentions. I was trying to get a big tree root out of her front yard, her, her, oh, Mina, her Mina mansion in, in Fountain Square. And we had to, I had to get this tree root out because we were putting turf down and they had to come in with aggregate. Well, at, the root was really close to the sidewalk and the teeth on the bucket slipped out from the tree root, jogged around, and I blasted out two sections of sidewalk oh brand new concrete and i felt again awful <laughs> i said mean i'll pay for this 
I know this is going to be about two grand to repair. She's like, no, don't worry about it. I know that you were trying and that's what I appreciate. So she knows when it's my fault, you know, but it doesn't play out like that on TV. So (laughs) that's, that's the story of admitting fault there. But everybody wants to build to that moment of tension where you have to tell oh, her, yeah. right? Like for TV, yeah. especially. Being the bad guy. <laughs> Talking real quickly, I think this is one of the things that doesn't happen as much on your show as like ones where you're looking for people that are like buying more like a house hunters kind of thing. The people that HGTV find to cast as these people looking are the worst people in the entire world. So now I'm being judgy, but they come in and they're like, you know, I do what you'll see the memes. They're like, I do underwater basket weaving. My budget is four million. Yeah, I raise geckos in my yeah. yeah. And I'm like and my budget's 1.4. Right. And I'm like, cool, I have like a full-time professional job and my budget's $250,000 in yeah. Chicago, you know? So true. <laughs> it's just like you got I know that the, you guys have people that come through and stuff when the when the houses are there and then obviously yeah. people buy them, but like are those people brought in by HGTV or is it like people that Mina and Karen have built up and know are like real prospective buyers? This is an awesome question. There's a lot of parts to this. So that some of the the majority of the houses we buy are directly from a family member or from the original homeowner. It's a heirloom house of some sort, right? But our producers and our production team and in, in the way that Good Bones is represented is amazing because they'll track down the original property owner. And I think you'll see this play out more this upcoming season. Uh, they'll track down the original property owner. They've done it in the past seasons, but they're really st- track them down and then they'll do the walkthrough. Or it really is a couple that is interested in buying the house and they'll do the walkthrough. Our walkthrough people, sometimes, yes, they are sought out. It's TV, right? They're going to let me walk through the house to do, for the reveal? No, that's just not that, that's, that's not, not how it works. So sometimes they're close friends of ours. Uh, like Mina has had Adrian walk through a house. Another friend that she, you know, and one of her friends did buy the house. And family member, original family members, anyone that cries during a walkthrough makes great TV. So in order for that to happen, we really either want the, the potential buyer or the buyer or the family member, the previous owner, whatever that may be, because it sends it off. And our budget numbers are like, how does Mina make money? And honestly, the answer to that is, yes, there is money to be made off the sale of the house, but it's not always about that. And and Mina's about money, yes, but she's also not, If that is as much as that may not make sense. Because if you care about Indianapolis and you were born and raised a Hoosier, you care about Indianapolis. And if it costs you more to do the right thing for the new homeowner, as far as either forgoing something or going with something to make it better, we're going to make it, try to make it better as best as possible. So we just try to make great TV that's real to people. And I think we do a great job of that because... I wouldn't say it's scripted, but sometimes they will lean us in a direction and stuff like that. But it's really not scripted at all. And yes, we do a lot of the work. Are we framing the whole house and sheeting it with siding and everything else and window? No, but we are there for six to four to six hours filming a scene that they're only going to use five to ten minutes of. But we're doing the work. And that's cool to be a part of that because it's kind of like Habitat for Humanity, but it's also that we're doing it for the good of the cause, for the neighborhood. So, Corey, do you have a couple minutes to play a game before we let you go? Yeah, I might be down for that cause. Awesome. What's the game? So this game is one that I created specifically for you. It's uh, a play on two chicks and a hammer, except for it's more in the name, in the way that like I would answer two chicks and a hammer trivia. So you'll have two questions about fried chicken sandwiches from restaurants and then a question about MC Hammer lyrics. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I was growing up with MC Hammer, but not really. So let's try this. 
Yeah, I tried to go easy on you and make them uh, all from Can't Touch This. Uh, the that's the only one I know. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's the most common and I didn't know, you know, but okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is read a description. As you know, the, the fast food chicken sandwich wars are in full swing. They started in late 2019. So I'm going to read you a description of a chicken sandwich from a restaurant and ask you which restaurant it belongs to. Okay, roll. So the first is crispy fried chicken breast topped with pickles sliced with your choice of mayo or spicy Cajun sauce and nestled on a brioche bun. So brioche buns are typically at wind. Mm. Is that your final answer? No, I don't know about Wendy's having a spicy sauce. And Chick-fil-A is brandish, so they wouldn't say spicy sauce. They would use their name of their spicy sauce. I'm brioche bun. I'm going to go with Wendy's. I don't know why. Sorry, it's Popeye's. Popeye's has theirs on a brioche bun? That's what it says, yeah. I didn't even know they had a... Do they, is it a Cajun sparkle or a sauce? Because they have their Cajun sparkle packets. That's I different. Love, I love Cajun sparkle. That's <laughs> like, People are sleeping on that. No, it's, it yeah. is actually a sauce. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm surprised I didn't get that one. Brioche. It's good to know. <laughs> so this one is uh, with our new spicy pepper sauce topping the new southern style fried chicken on a toasted potato roll. This sandwich was made for those who like it crispy, juicy, tender, and hot. On a potato roll? Mm-hmm. That's not KFC, is it? It's not. No. Oh, how am I failing miserably? That's a, I mean, it's okay. I don't know that who, I would get these. Uh, is it Chick-fil-A? No. It's not Panera. McDonald's. McDonald's. Ding. They they have it on a potato roll? Potato yeah. bun? Potato hmm. roll, yeah. Okay, so keeping with the two chicks and then a hammer, these are lyrics from the MC Hammer song, and when I get to the blank, um, I'll ask you to try to fill them in. The lyrics are, music hits me so hard, makes me say, oh my lord, thank you for blessing me with a mind to rhyme and to blank. Blessing me with a, what's the last part? With a rhyme mind to rhyme and to blank right mine to write and rhyme no it's two hyped feet two hyped feet yeah what does that even mean i don't know i didn't write it two hyped feet huh i'm gonna have to look that up later i like a good expression uh okay back to chicken back to chicks uh an extra crispy filet with premium pickles, mayo, on a brioche-style bun, choose between classic and spicy. Ah, oh, that's Chick-fil-A. These nope. are tough. They are tough. I don't think I would have gotten it, honestly. That one is KFC. Wow. I got to yeah. polish. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a crispy chicken person. I'm surprised I don't know these. Like I said, though, they all start to sound kind of the same, right? Yeah, it's wild. Marking's crazy. <laughs> the next is, our crispy chicken sandwich is made with 100% white meat chicken filet, seasoned and breaded and carefully layered with fresh lettuce, ripe tomato, and creamy mayonnaise on a potato bun. That one sounds like Wendy's. It's breaded, though. Hmm. It is, so they yeah. only do breaded chicken sandwiches. Who am I missing? BK? Burger King. Yep. yep. All right. Hell yeah. It's the only one I hadn't mentioned yet. <laughs> okay, so the next is MC Hammer lyrics. Every time you see me, that hammer's just so hype. I'm dope on the floor, and I'm blank on the mic. Hot on the mic. Magic. Magic on the <laughs> mic. Okay. <laughs> Outstanding. These are good. These are fun. <laughs> okay, back to the chicks. A boneless breast of chicken seasoned with a spicy blend of peppers, freshly breaded, pressure cooked in 100% refined peanut oil, and served on a toasted buttered bun with dill pickle chips. That's Culver's. Oh, no. Oh, that's I, that one was not. Are they not in that running? They were not in the group that I pulled together, but I oh. love Culver's. 
I th- well, you said butter bun, so I, yeah. I know they have a butter burger, so that's where my mind went. Who's that? Yeah. That's Chick Fil A. It's but their bun's buttered. Yeah, I guess just awesome. on that. Huh. I'm going to go on record as saying this. This is what the haters will say about me. I think Chick-fil-A is the most overrated restaurant in America. Ooh, Chain. Damn, that's shots fired, Logan. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. I stand uh, by it. I agree to a certain extent. I will say this. I cannot have Chick-fil-A more than once a week. There are certain times where I'm like, I want some Chick-fil-A. It's not like, oh my God, I'm always craving Chick-fil-A. I like to space that out so I don't abuse the taste of it. It is it is slightly overrated. And also, there is a war between McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. McDonald's said, we'll at least serve you a chicken sandwich on Sunday. And then Chick-fil-A was like, well, at least our shake machine isn't always broken. I love that. I got a good kick out because that's good humor. No one's really getting hurt there. Yeah. They're all rich. So anyways, <laughs> but I went to this uh, hot chicken stand out in California and I come back to No, there's no hot chicken that exists here, actually, yeah, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. Joella's yeah. hot chicken. I'm sorry. Like it was dry the first time I had it and I'm not going back. So <laughs> I've, I've um, never had that, but I'll put it on my list. Because my brother yeah. lives around Indy, so I get there on occasion. I'm an advocate for trying anything once. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you'll have to go. Maybe you have a different experience. You'll be like, Corey, you should go back. I had the juiciest chicken, hot chicken from there or something, right? So change my mind. I, I definitely will. All right, one more one more chicken and then one more hammer. Uh, a juicy chicken breast marinated and breaded in our unique fiery blend of peppers and spices to deliver more flavor inside and out. Cooled down with crisp lettuce, tomato, and mayo. It's the original spicy chicken sandwich and the one you crave. Oh, that's Wendy's. Yeah, that one's Wendy's for sure. You said the original chicken sandwich and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then <laughs> the last MC Hammer lyric. I'm terrible at these MC, MC Hammer lyrics, so just bear with me on this. Just put it on repeat on your playlist. All right. So this one is, now why would I ever stop doing this with others making records that just blank? With other records that just sound like shit. <laughs> Very close. I'm going to, you know what? I'll give you that one. All right. That'll be your own remix. All right. The actual first original lyric was don't hit, but I like sound like oh, shit better, actually. That don't hit. Yeah. yeah. I was so close. <laughs> awesome. That was context clues for me on that one, honestly. <laughs> that's that's, that's how I read into that. Whatever works, man. Well, awesome. Thank you for playing that. Uh, this the, the custom two chicks and a hammer game. This is the part of the episode where we come to the friend request. So in the vein of Facebook, at this point, I'm basically sending you a friend request right here. And you can, Corey Miller, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Do you confirm or delete it? You're good people, dude. I confirm. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. Why, I don't see the request. Is this hypothetically speaking? It's hypothetical. I, you know, somebody else asked me that. I need to like figure out if I'm really doing that or not. You're on the gram though. So yeah, I am on the gram. I'm yeah. On, I'm also on Facebook. I just, I don't you use know. Facebook anymore. Yeah. I'm on everything. All right, Logan, back at you. Oh, you already followed me. I followed you back. There we awesome. go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. I saw that your podcast was was fairly fledgling. Is that a true story? At least your Instagram states oh, that. Of course. Sure. Here's that me here's that me judging. <laughs> talking exactly what I was shitting on earlier. No, it's uh that's accurate. We have now taped I want to say nine-ish episodes. Cool. Corey, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, obviously, you have this, I think it's the sixth season of Good Bones coming up in June. 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Good Bones, June 29th. The house I bought, I can't show you too much of my house in here because it is on the show. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I was a renter. I didn't want to make that same leap that you did, but uh, I'm I'm so happy that I'm not paying someone else, Logan. Yeah. Really, when someone else's money is going in their pocket and not my direct pocket from a, an investment perspective, I'm just throwing money away and I might as well just burn it. Yeah. So that's that's a little tidbit that I'm going to leave with you. Awesome. Uh, but this season's going to bring the heat, and I hope our seasons after seasons are going to do the same. So hopefully we'll just keep doing this. Awesome. Here in Indianapolis. Dude, it's it's so fun to watch. So thank you for, for making it. Do you want to plug? I know that we talked a lot about social media and how we're potentially cleansing, but like, do you want to give anybody your, your channels to follow you or do you want to just say no thanks, just watch on HGTV? My latest plug is Corey underscore Miller 30 on Instagram. And I mean, again, I'm, I interact with my fans. So if you want to say what's up, I, I love people. So there's as long as you're not saying hurtful things, you, we can always have a conversation or talk or I can answer any questions people may ask. And if you're going to ask me, does the furniture stay with the home after we stage it, you may not get a response out of that one, too, because all of that information has been known for several years now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey, for coming on. It is it yeah. was so great talking to you and getting to know you a little better. I will definitely hit you up when I'm in Indianapolis and want to try that spicy chicken. Dude, you should <laughs> it definitely give me some notice and we can like we can plan a day of it. You know what I mean? I'll just yeah. tell everyone I'm, I'm taking off and we'll roll out and do some crazy stuff. Sounds awesome. Thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate you putting this on. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, man. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.